and welcome to Pop-Tarts. I'm Emily Rems. I'm Callie Watt. We are both editors of Bust Magazine for Women here in lovely Brooklyn, New York. And today is a very, very special episode because we have here in the tiny little recording studio, Liz Winston! Expert of grains. Expert on grains and also an expert on so much more. Whoa! The Marble Man is so elusive. Pence, never has a man's name reflected his work more. Calm up, Caitlin. Calm up. If you're not familiar with Liz, first of all, what the fuck have you been doing? Right. <laughs> uh, but Li- Liz is a comedian, activist, and author who co-created The Daily Show, Air America Radio, and most recently, The Lady Parts Justice League, All which true. is a cabal of comics who use pop culture and digital media to sound the alarm about the erosion of reproductive rights. Yes. Thank God. <laughs> the alarm. <laughs> <laughs> That's the v- vag alarm. It's the yeah. <laughs> va- it's the it's a bad alarm. I think we got to get a better alarm. Right. Wait. What? Like. <sighs> is you're trying to make a queef sound as an alarm? Yes. Or just the sound that you make when you unexpectedly got your period. Or the sound of one. Ow! <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> sound of one lip clapping. <laughs> Why does only one of your lips move? What's going on? You know. Can I ask a question? Sure. Do you, okay, because I get people, women either go, I totally know what you're talking about, or they look at me like I'm a mess. Does your vagina ever fall asleep like your foot? Like tingly. Like it's like kind of dead, and then it, well, this just sounds really bad. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of dead, dead, and then inside. it goes tingly, and then it wakes up. I Maybe will... you sit too hard. <laughs> wow, I do sit hard. Are you a hard sitter? I sit like hard AF. I'll tell you that a friend who shall remain nameless gets the numb vag after too much time with the Hitachi magic Oh, wand. really? Okay. Yeah, it gets tingly like the foot. Yeah, okay. I can see that. Mm-hmm. All right. I know this is not what the podcast is about, but I just wanted to It is that. now. It is now. <laughs> <laughs> we can veer as far as we want. Well, any day would be a great day to have Liz here in the studio, but on this particular day, you are here to tell us about something called the Vagical mystery tour which are going on this june and july tell us all about it so it's pretty cool so lady parts justice league is a whole bunch of comics and writers and and sketch comedians who basically we use our shows as a way to gather people together to have fun and then talk to them about what's happening in the state of reproductive rights and justice what they can do to help and we've been doing these tours where we travel to pockets in like individual one-offs like we went to Buffalo New York and we went to uh, North Carolina and we've been to Mississippi and Alabama um, where we do a show and then we have um, the clinic owner or a doctor from the clinic talk to the crowd afterwards about like here's what we need we feel abandoned um, and we really need to build our activist base because we can't provide the care and try to fight the laws and also correct the like the lies and, and the bullshit that happens around this. We need your help. So they explain like what people can do to help. And then sometimes somebody from like a clinic escort program is there or somebody who runs their abortion fund. And then people can sign up and then 
when we leave, we've created a base of folks or grown a base of folks who help out the clinics with what they want to do. But it was really expensive to just like go to one place mm-hmm. and then come yeah. home. So we decided, and because it's just a shit show, that we were going to go just on the road this summer to places that are really hard hit where there's really badass people like helping out. There's a out. lot of them right now. And there's a lot of them right now. And like every town you go to, sometimes they have like six or ten really devoted activists who are like exhausted. Yeah. And they're working so hard that they don't have time to like grow their support mm-hmm. network. So we figured, we've been communicating with all of them. So we thought, let's do 16 cities oh, starting wow. in Atlanta and like going to Little Rock and. Jackson, Mississippi, and Birmingham, Alabama, Wichita, like places that have really cool people that sometimes just need help. Yeah. So we're going to do these really fun comedy and music shows, have a talk back with the clinic, and then what we're going to do is go to the clinics, and each of them have given us some kind of need that they have. So that need can be anything from, can you just, like, take our staff out for dinner and drinks and we can hang out, to... We have a fence that has holes in it, and the protesters, like, yell through the holes, can you patch the fence? Wow. So it's really fun. So it's, like, part USO, part Habitats for Humanity, <laughs> um, all aimed at helping um, mostly indie abortion providers because we love Planned Parenthood, but we feel like people are really getting it about Planned Parenthood, and they're really knowing that. But there's all these indie clinics who people don't know about. So we like to say, think of Planned Parenthood as Trader Joe's. And think of these indie clinics as like your local co-op, and we need to learn to love them, too, because they're necessary. A lot of people don't realize that you can get an abortion other than Planned Parenthood. Well, and also the fact that 70% of all abortions in this country are performed at clinics that are not Planned Parenthoods, that are local, independent community clinics. Right. And so they don't have, like, the big network to, like, go on Twitter and and say, this is what's happening to us, Um, hey, hey, hey. You know, sometimes they just have their own local community, so if we can go down there and grow that attention can be brought to them and we can also protect them as well as Planned Parenthood. And I saw that there's awesome people who are joining you yes. at the shows. There's uh, Leah Delaria yep. from Orange is New Black and Jill Sabuel and Jackie Cation from Lady Dynamite. There's a lot going on. Yes, oh, yes. Lady we Dynamite. might have Lady Dynamite herself. Ah! Keep your fingers crossed. Um, Aparna Narnchala is joining us. Uh, awesome. Um, We've got, uh, and then we've got some dudes, Greg Proops uh-huh. um, from Who Lies, Whose Line Is It Anyway, and he's got a great podcast, um, Alonzo Bowden, Ian Harvey from Transparent. Um, so we have like, we have like, it's really great because the group is super diverse in, in like across all genders and across all sort of like race and color lines. And it's really fun because it's important because everybody's experience with reproductive health is different. And so we just want to make sure that anybody who comes to our show can see somebody who may have gone through an experience that they have. That are sounds you guys amazing. Traveling all around in the same like mystical van. We are. We are in a vagical mystery van. Um, it's very Scooby Doo, and yeah, also it's like the abortion Scooby Doo. We're trying to like <laughs> prep people as best we can for like the rage that's probably going to happen with like ten people in a <laughs> oh van driving in the south in the summer. So um, it's low expectations. <laughs> So it's going to be good. But we have a lot of time off for like fun. Uh-huh. And good. so it's really good. But it's intense. And, you know, part of this, uh, the summer tour, once a year, this group that is called um, the Summer of Justice 
they're a group of the most extreme anti-abortion people, they choose one vulnerable clinic and they descend upon them and they call their guards out. And it's usually between 500 and 1,000 people. And they spend a week, day and night protesting this clinic. And this year it's in Louisville, Kentucky. And so we're going down to Louisville the last night of our show, uh, of our tour, and the first night of their um, onslaught. And so we're going to try to like grow, grow, grow some folks there. And if anybody wants to come down to Louisville and see a comedy show and like have some fun protecting a clinic, you're welcome to come. I bet that gets so intense. That sounds as hands-on as you can get. It It is. I mean, and it's funny because it's kind of like trying to figure out what to do. Um, what happened for me is I was trying to finish my book a couple of years ago and I was stuck. So I went home to Minnesota where I'm from. And right when I was finishing it up was right when all these laws started dropping in all these states uh-huh. that were just closing clinics right and left. And I wanted to do something. So I decided to drive back with my two dogs from Minnesota to Brooklyn and do fundraisers along the way. Awesome. Um, and the thing that was so jarring to me was that every clinic said to me, you know, thank you for coming. No one ever visits us. And we, we really feel abandoned. And I'm one of those people. I had an abortion. I never went back to visit my clinic. I didn't. And then you realize that's like a point of privilege that for some people, this is the health care they're going to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This clinic is where they're going to go. They can't afford the Affordable Care Act even like this is it. Right. And so I thought if no one's coming here, that's a void I can fill. I'm not stepping on anybody's toes. I'm sort of adding something to the movement that could yeah. be helpful uh-huh. and bringing joy to these people who 100 percent deserve it. And if people want tickets, where can they go? They can go to the Vagical Mystery Tour dot com and you can see if your city the, the tour list is up there and you can click on a city and you can um and you can buy a ticket right there yeah so if you're part basically if you're in the midwest or the south uh we're coming to someplace probably near you but come out support it it's good it yeah, sounds, sounds amazing. So amazing yeah and magical and vagical magical <laughs> yeah. and vagical the magical you're a, a lifelong satirist you're one of the the world's preeminent satirist, and we're in the age of Trump. How wild is your life right now? My life feels a little (laughs) bit insane only because this is the first time that your material is irrelevant in a matter of hours sometimes, (laughs) right? Are people calling you to comment on something like 10 times a day? 10 times a day. And then literally they'll call you to comment on something, and by the time you get to the studio... You're commenting on something else uh-huh. because the thing happened. I'm sure you have been following that Stephen Colbert is under fire. Yes. Um, because he said the only thing Trump's mouth is good for is being Vladimir Putin's cock holster. Yes. <laughs> and so I good. will say right off the top, I totally laughed yep. when he said that. And I found it shocking that Trump supporters are saying that it was homophobic. And that's why Stephen Colbert should be fired. There's this whole hashtag fire Colbert. Well, it's very interesting. I mean, people can like that they I left homophobia now. Like suddenly Republicans care about suddenly gay the same people who are like sad about Berkeley, and you know we're we're wanting their free speech all mm-hmm. over the place. Yeah, are like protesting Stephen Colbert. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's hilarious. I think that it's very interesting that the same people who would who have like supported and voted for people who don't want any kind of gay rights you know that they're trying to make Stephen Colbert a homophobe yeah you can not like the joke and think that it's a bullshit joke I laughed come after me whatever um but 
don't act like you're going to have some kind of moral high ground about Stephen Colbert mm-hmm. right. when you haven't had a moral high ground about anything. Your moral high ground, like the rat hitting the curb, is like has a higher <laughs> ground right. to work with than your morality. Outside of that hypocrisy, do you think it's possible for a joke to go too far when it's about the president? I think if you're a satirist... um. I think that, I mean, I don't usually tell jokes about, like, what someone looks like. I try to tell jokes that um, can paint a picture of what I think that their moral compass looks like, what I think their policies look like. So, mm-hmm. you know, for me, um, so-and-so's orange isn't necessarily that funny. It's like, you know, I just, it doesn't tell me anything about what that person's going to do to my life, you know. Right. But if you look at Donald Trump and you're like, what what do you think Donald Trump's philosophy is? I'm like, I don't think he has one. Because when I look at Donald Trump, what I see is a Macy's balloon that everyone let go of. Like, <laughs> and that it's just bouncing into walls. Like yeah. if, there's a, if there's such thing as a ragey Macy's balloon that got loose, I believe that's our president. And so when you hear that, whether you believe me or not, or think that that's right or not, you get an image of someone who's out of control, that's deflating that's bouncing around and you kind of get a a, a chaotic sense. And so, um, and so with this Putin joke, it's like, you know, it's like, it says something about Donald Trump and Mm -hmm. it says, you know, now do you like it? I don't know. Do you? I liked it. I thought it was funny. I don't think it's homophobic. I don't think Stephen Colbert is homophobic. Um, so yeah. And I just think these snowflakes, I love that they call us snowflakes constantly. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you guys whine all the time. MRAs are whining every moment. Uh, we men need, need their rights, Liz. I know. Poor men. The denial <laughs> of the rights of men has um, gone on for far too long. And I think that we need to do a reset. You know what we need to do is invite men to the table. <laughs> just maybe if we have just one or two, like a quota. Yeah. Yeah. If we can invite them to the table to hear what they have to say. Um, because I just don't ever get a male perspective <laughs> sometimes I'm in that bubble and I need to get out of it so that I can hear or I could just turn on C-SPAN <laughs> we're laughing but the thing is is that Callie and I work at Bus Magazine so we literally hear no male perspective no I know I, no, I know. I met Lady Parts Justice too and I hear mer- <laughs> but here's the deal like, though when was the last time I actually got or cared <laughs> Well, what I think There's is some guys in my life that I'll ask yeah. questions to, but it's very, very minute. Well, I also feel too like it's interesting when you're. I, I'm sure you guys actually get a ton of unsolicited male perspective oh, sure, as yeah, we yeah. do, and so and that part of it is. Um, I sort of like the fact that, uh, you know, you all of a sudden hear where they are so triggered on not being included Mm -hmm. or that they feel like hashtag not all men and (laughs) seriously from supposed men who are progressive like that shit's crazy when people are writing think pieces about I really didn't know my place in the women's march you know your place was in the march (laughs) (laughs) why is that hard you didn't like it's called a women's like I don't know what you're even talking about like you were really honestly thought it was alienating Mm -hmm. that people could march for women 
and the issues of women and marginalized people. Like it didn't say your name on it or have a picture <laughs> of a cock. So you were like completely baffled as to how you could participate. Go fuck yourself. That's like March the world we've all March. we've all fucking navigated for since the history of fucking time. Uh huh. I'm sorry. I'm swearing a lot. Please do. Go on. Whoa. <laughs> so be- the Daily Show is something that has been such an integral part of our political satire lives. It's hard for a lot of us to remember a time without it because it's the gold standard mm-hmm. of, of you know, political satire in this country. But you created it, so you remember a time before I it. I do remember a time so before it. So tell me what kind of political satire inspired you to create The Daily Show. Well, what's interesting is it wasn't really political satire that um, that was like a catalyst to create The Daily Show. For me, it was, and this is so crazy when you think about it, because it was 100 years ago when I was old <laughs> enough to do that. But there wasn't, like, CNN was the only cable network when we launched. And there wasn't, like, YouTube or Google or anything. But I remember watching the Gulf War unfold, the first Gulf War unfold on on CNN and it was like the first time that we had all watched a war happen in our living rooms or I was in a bar and there was theme song and graphics uh-huh. and like all these really hot reporters were replaced the people that were there before <laughs> and they were on a roof remember with the green light and all that <laughs> yeah. stuff yeah and I remember just thinking to myself, are they reporting on a war or trying to sell me a war? Mm. Uh-huh. And it, like I wasn't trying to be like smart or anything. I was just watching it and feeling because it was very packaged, very packaged. And and then I was on a blind date actually. And the and after five minutes, he was like, "This is sort of cool." And I thought, uh. "Man, that's this is really messed up." And then I just started paying more attention to the media and I started watching the manipulation of the media really profoundly. And how they were just, and I just started writing about it, and my stand-up act became as much about the media as it did about the politicians. And so Comedy Central called and said, you know, we want to do a show that's on every day. And I was like, well, one thing I think is important is that the media is a character in the show because they are as responsible for these wars and all this stuff as the people planning them because they're in concert with them. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's no you know, follow-up question. There's no anything. And so uh, it was a time when it felt there was hardly any news. So when we launched The Daily Show, it's a satire of what was happening in the news. It was more about the lack of news and and all the exploitive stuff. And so The Daily Show, as the news evolved and devolved, The Daily Show's path and and satirizing of that media just followed right along with it. So Uh it was like, the guidepost of awful was just <laughs> what you would do. Yeah. So it started out that the media itself was awful and was being satirized. And now it's all about how our government is yeah. awful and is being satirized. Yeah. Yeah. We've come a long way. We've come a long way, babies. <laughs> the, the thing that I often wonder is when you have an authoritarian in office, it's very important to make jokes at their expense yes. because you you can't be afraid at someone that you're laughing at every day. And thanks to you know not just the daily show and the stuff that lady parts justice is doing and there's a lot of stuff happening on seth meyers and a lot of shows are doing it. i can get my fix of donald trump jokes every single day of the week but i wonder if when you have someone that's so easy to laugh at if the fact that he's really really fucking scary gets ignored because he's 
and he's a piece of entertainment. I think that um, that's how you then look at the humor and figure out who is being actually taken it one step deeper. Uh-huh, you know, yeah. who's going into literally the colon of this organization <laughs> and saying, learn about Steve Bannon, learn about Breitbart, mm-hmm. learn about Sean Spicer. Also, just the person who's in charge of, like, Title Ten funding now and stuff literally will go out preaching that birth control doesn't work. So these things are... So it's like when you can, like elevate that stuff into the larger picture then you can still be funny you can like create the absurdity to show people that these not serious bullshit people exist um i think you've got something there but i think when you show people that there's trump and that all of the people that he is looking to for advice and everything are a house of clown cards yeah um, maybe then people can see if if there's nowhere to look to see sanity, they will do a reset mm-hmm. and say, if there's literally nobody who even knows how to check Trump because they're all bullshit and the reason they're there is to bring their scary demonic crap into his head because he doesn't even know what he's hearing, maybe we can be helpful there. But if you do just say he's dumb, he's a joke, you're right, that diminishes. I think right. that's how he got elected. So now yeah. we've got to be smart about how we make fun of him. Mm-hmm. And this whole giant thing that they're spinning. Because there's always the whole, like, humorless feminist thing. And feminists are always complaining about this and that. And you want to draw them in with with carefully crafted humor. But there's there's a part to play for humorless feminists, too, who are like, okay, kidding aside, like, this is really serious. Yeah. Right. A hundred percent. And I think that we're all, I think, in should be in partnership with each other, right? Yeah. You can use humor to raise awareness. But I think that in order to go really deep, you need people to be like talking really seriously and like humorless feminists. Um, like normally every time I hear that term, I'm like, first of all, every feminist knows hilarious. But but (laughs) second of all, if somebody's a feminist who dare have outrage and you call it humorless, fuck you. (laughs) Like when literally people do not take the, the autonomy of yourself as something that should not be negotiated uh that's not funny yeah that's like serious shit yeah and so fuck you for trying to make us feel any less or doubt ourselves or vulnerable because we have said we are centering this and we are human beings and you if you say that you're a human rights advocate then you should absolutely be understanding that this is like front and center is a human rights issue Right. Well, speaking of which, I I know that a lot of people have lots of daydreams about Donald Trump getting impeached because he does so much shady shit that, like, of course, he's going to get impeached immediately. But I shake in my combat boots thinking about the Christian theocracy that Mike Pence wants to wants to bring down upon the United States. So I'm not super excited about the idea of Donald Trump getting impeached. It would have to be a package deal for me to not be more terrified. I know it's like a nesting doll of awful, right? (laughs) It's like it's like you have Russia because Russia, yeah, and then you have Trump, and then it's like, and then there's Pence, and then like. I mean, Pence never has a man's name reflected his worth more, right? It's like, oh my God. So then, if you were to unlock that, then it's Paul Ryan. Yeah. And if you want to know how shitty Paul Ryan is, just remember this. 
when he tried to pass this shitty same bullshit before, a bunch of nuns who didn't have two nickels to rub together rented a bus to like drive and find him and tell him what a piece of garbage he is. Oh right. Gosh, so when great. nuns rent a bus to hunt you down <laughs> and shame you, you suck hard. Yeah. 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 So amazing. Is should we just be keeping our eyes on 2020? Like should we like not vote or or like not rally for anybody to be impeached because like no we should ev- keep our eyes on 2018 2018 keep our eyes on 2018 because if in 2018 every seat in the house of representative is up yeah and there's many many senate seats that are up and there's many many governorships that are up and so what we need to do as hard as we can fight is to bring these state legislatures back to reality because a lot of people forget that whether it's Abortion rights, LGBTQ rights, voting rights, prison rights, gun stuff. A lot of that is from your local legislatures, right? So that's crucial. And then if we can switch the House and the Senate, then we can cut off Trump. Yeah. He doesn't get to have the Supreme Court picks. We'll just be like, nah, son. (laughs) And um, bad legislation. No, he's going to have to compromise. So that's the thing that we have to do. I'm dying for somebody to come up with a program called 18 in 18 because a lot of people are turning 18 in 2018 Ah. and voting for the first time. So if we could get a bunch of cool people helping 17-year-olds get registered and make voting seem really cool... We could have a really good shot in the We mid-term. could like rock the vote, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could rock the vote. <laughs> That's an interesting idea. Speaking of getting to the youth. You? The youth of America. <laughs> Yoop. Um, I watched you on the red carpet of Samantha Bee's Not the White House Correspondence Center. Ah! And you looked very glamorous. And Thank the youth you. of today were all there. They were not at the regular Correspondence No, the dinner. youth were there. I was interviewed by some youth. Uh huh. And I saw just while I was watching you, I was like, "Yes, Queen," because there you were on the red carpet. And then there was Melissa Harris Perry and Lindy West and Heaven Nagatu, like all these people who I worship from far. Yeah, they're all uh, good. And I'm just sitting there watching and being like, every one of these queens should have a show. Mm-hmm. Like Samantha Bee's show is killing it. Like you said, like she was center she centers women and our concerns and in the context of political satire in a way that is so soul nourishing. Yes. But there she's just the one. I know. And you and Melissa and Lindy and Heaven, I want you guys all to have shows. How what do we need to do for you guys all to have shows? Because I know we need to have shows. I agree. There's so many dude late night shows. Yeah. And I want you guys to all have shows and to center us. Well, what I feel like is I don't even want to be on TV, right? Because I just feel like TV is tired. I feel like if we could just, if some magical person who understood how awesome like all these different women would be and funded some really great live streaming thing mm-hmm. that people could watch when they wanted, take it with them. Um, and you mean like podcasts? I mean like podcasts, but like even like video podcasts, vlogs, vlogs all that stuff. Where or or just like shows a channel that was on the internet that you could just take and watch whenever you wanted that was free and that was amazing and shareable and great. Um, that's I feel like that's like the future for me. Like I just feel like late night is dead. And if you're gonna just have it be this guy thing, then I okay. I know I'm not the one who's 
so hungry for it. Right. Like, I was just watching that red carpet being like, show, 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 show. Everyone so many needs a good show. people. Yeah. So you many good show. people. And you yeah, like Oprah. Oprah just needs to give everybody a show. Melissa yeah. and I always dream of having a show together. I was on her show a lot when she was on MSNBC. And, you know, it would be really, really, really fun to be, have a show with her because she's like so smart. Yeah. And funny. And That's hilarious. The thing. I know. There's so many women who are hilarious. And Lindy West. And Lindy smart. West. Oh, funny. So great. Quick. Yeah. Yeah. And Heaven. I love their podcast. Yeah. Before we wrap up this delightful visit, we like to ask everyone who enters the booth, what you're watching, Liz Winstead? Um, couple of things. I just finally, I'm a little bit slow always on the bandwagon. But I just watched Fleabag, which I love. It's good. Yeah. And I just binged Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. She's the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. What? No, I'm not. She's the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. That's a sexist term. Which I love I that show. love. It's so campy. So good. I know. And her neighbor is in one of our LPJ videos. And it's so funny because I was like, how do I know that girl? I was like, oh, my God. She was in our video about Nebraska and their horrible abortion laws. It's really funny. <laughs> um, I haven't watched the Rob Delaney um, catastrophe next right, bunch that's come out, um, which I'm excited about because um, I think that show's really funny. And Pretty Little Liars is like back, and I'm going in on it. I've never seen the show. But it's I... ridiculous, and I should never like it. It's is like it, it's like coming up at, at, to the end, right? Yeah, it's like the f- it's, well, they keep finale. saying it's coming up to the end, but now it's for like real. Gossip Girly, right? Yeah, sure. which I didn't which I, watch. I loved Gossip Girl. See, I didn't watch Gossip Girl, and for some weird reason, I got sucked into the show. Actually, how it happened was I um, I was staying at an Air, uh, Airbnb that didn't have a TV. They only had a Roku, uh-huh. which I'm not used to. I'm a big cable person. And so I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to figure out some kind of letter. And like, <laughs> so I like spun some like number thing and figured out that letter. And it was R or I mean P. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to just like, what's the next letter R and then I just found it like in some rando thing and I just watched it and then I kept watching it and I'm like I am in junior high I'm a junior (laughs) high girl and then all these secret pretty little liar people I was like live tweeting it and people were like oh my god and then I was like you should not be watching this either we're all watching this secretly you're not alone I know I feel good about it yeah how about you guys well we're about to jump back into the booth for another whole hour to talk about what we're watching but i will tell you what i discovered yesterday is uh reza aslan what's up i don't know why i'm so like slow on the the dude who's on cnn who has the show believer on cnn oh right Uh, didn't he just step in it recently did he is are you gonna destroy my dreams right now what did he do i can't remember but look it up because i think he stepped in it (laughs) i just remember there was controversy and, I will figure out and, what it is. And people perceived him as stepping in it. But I'm going to be honest, uh-huh. I can't remember what... It, oh, maybe he ate brains? I don't know. Oh, he, oh, d- he ate brains he it on episode cannibals. one of... Maybe that was it. He was with the Agori in India. Yeah, he didn't step like, in it. He ate it. They were like, eat yeah. this brain. And he was like, okay. But I was sort of into it because he was like willing to go the distance. It wasn't... It was the, the brain of a dead person. It wasn't like they killed someone to eat their brain. Do you think it's... Is that is that FDA approved? Definitely not. Yeah. No. And the guy who fed him the brains, spoiler alert, the guy who fed him the his the brains then like 
pooped and then ate his own poop. And then Reza Aslan literally just started running as fast as he could <laughs> away from that guy. He was like, I can deal with brains, but not poop. But not. And then the guy started throwing his poop at Reza Aslan. All right. That, well, then that would make you run. I would run from That him. might be the thing I remember. Now that you're saying all of this, <laughs> this is all it, he got a situation <laughs> that sounds like So that's works. what I've been watching. I just caught up with that last night. I was watching a lot of Roseanne in the last couple of days. Because husband, Roseanne's coming back? My husband had never seen or heard of Roseanne before. He's from Chile. And I was like, well, now we have to watch all the Halloween episodes to begin with. And then, he, like, we barely what a joy got to revisit. Oh, it's amazing. He was like, I get it. I get why this was like a groundbreaking feminist show. And I was like, sit down. We have work. Yeah. Did you hear that they're trying to launch a reboot? No. Yeah. And that Dan is going to cut his, because you know how Dan died at the end yeah. of Roseanne? They're going to say that he faked his death and bring him back. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm oh my so god! Into it. I love that show. I love so it so much. much. I had to explain to him the two Beckys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which Becky's coming back? I think they are. They Becky. haven't. So far, the only people that are coming back are Roseanne and Dan and Sarah Gilbert. Sandy's not going to come back. They haven't announced. I bet Sandra Bernhardt will come I, back. Oh, oh she's so does. great. And Lori. I mean, come on! It would not be Roseanne without them. I but yeah, those are the only people that have confirmed that they will do it. But I they're it. they're still shopping around. Wow, I can't believe nobody's already bought it. Give me at least a Halloween special. I know. Thank you so much for coming, you guys. Thank you for having You're me. You're a media legend. Awesome. Oh no, you greatest. guys are so great. And come and see the Vagical Mystery Tour. We'll be yeah, out on the road. VagicalMysteryTour.com. Got it. Easy. Doing the good work. When we come back, Callie and I are gonna delve deeper into what you, what you watching. This is What's Happening Here. I'm Katie Shepard, your host, and this season... I'm Terrence Mickey, and welcome to Memory Motel. I'm Julia Bainbridge, and welcome to The Lonely Hour, which I'm producing in partnership with The Listening Booth. Good afternoon. Thank you for calling the New York Times Classifieds. Christine speaking. I may help you. Hi. My name is Terrence Mickey, and I'm calling to inquire about an obituary. What information were you looking for that I could possibly help you with? Okay. Now a grown woman with a supportive husband, Jillian is fine, but that comes after waiting through years of pain and confusion. I had been wrestling with this because I knew in the pit of my stomach that my fetish is not caused by childhood trauma, mm. but it felt like my own life contradicted that. Matt, who was a big talker, big personality, loved to be the center of attention, was running away from having to be vulnerable. I don't know, it's like whenever we have this like fights or something whenever I talk about this. It's like I have a shield in my hand and whenever this happens, I just put it up to protect myself. The Listening Booth. There's a story inside. And we're back. Hello. And I'm here to ask you, Callie Watts, what you watching? What you watching? Well, like I mentioned, I was watching uh, Roseanne. Uh-huh. Diving into some old Roseanne. Then I was watching 13 Reasons Why. I can't believe you haven't watched this yet. I'll get on it. If it's you like so it, good. then I'll watch it. Settle in. Because I'm about to tell you the story of my life. More specifically, why my life ended. And if you're listening to this tape, you're one of the reasons why. 
the premise is that this girl leaves these notes to explain her suicide, mm-hmm. which is a little bit bullshit, I think. And because it's very much like blame game, blame game. Oh, it's like you're the reason I killed myself and you're the reason I killed myself. Yeah. How rude. Also, there, there's like a very my so-called life vibe to it. Uh-huh. And I was thinking that because the character cuts her hair short. And I was like, so An- Angela, you remember when she cut her hair and dyed it red? Oh, yeah. And then, like, shortly after that, there's this lawyer in it, and it's fucking... Felicity, too. Didn't she have a cut her hair off moment? I never watched Felicity. A long time ago. Yeah. Do go on. But um, this guy, Wilson Cruz, is in it, and he plays the lawyer, and it's Ricky. Ricky from My So-Called Life. Oh, shit. So I was like, yes, of course. Of course they're doing total straight-up throwback to My So-Called Life. And... In his um, in the show, Wilson Cruz's character on A My So Called Life is Ricky Vasquez, and on Thirteen Reasons Why he's Dennis Vasquez. So they definitely like were like alluding to that, yeah, and on purpose. And the school, or they just don't know any other Latino names. I mean, it's <laughs> Wilson Cruz. I mean, I'm sure he was like, you uh-huh. know, that right. I am DB, I am DB, BB. <laughs> but um, <laughs> also the high school is called Liberty High School in both of them. Oh. Little side nuggets on that. Um, I finally watched the last episode of Feud. Did you cry? I didn't cry, but I had a lot I'm of the criers. It was, I loved that the end when they were pairing them up, the original person with the character. I know. It was not so awesome to see how meticulously they were styled that when was they held so amazing. The, real, the pictures of the real people that were being portrayed next to the pictures of the actors portraying them. It was so good. Give me chills. So many vibes. That was like, I was sad to see it go. And it was. A really good. End. I know. I literally could have watched ten more episodes of that. Um, I went to go see Young M.A. and Twenty One Savage. Yes, oh, she was amazing. Yeah, they hate, but they broke them. They broke them. And when it's time to pop, they had no show. Yeah, I'm pretty, but I'm local. The loud got me moving slow. I can't believe she wasn't the headliner. Twenty One. I don't know if you've even heard of Twenty One. I've Savage. never heard of Twenty One Savage, but as you know, I've heard of Young Ma because of you, because, because you live in the future, and you've been telling us her. for a year that Young Ma is blowing up, and now she finally is because you live in the future. Will she just do Bus Magazine? Young Ma, come do Bus Magazine. Call us. <laughs> and for those who don't know Young Ma, she is a rapper. She's tough as nails. Yeah, she's a. Uh... She's an open lesbian, which is refreshing, mm-hmm. and she's also, like, super uh, badass. Like, uh, I would not want to get into an argument with her. And didn't you tell me that the character Frida Gatz on Empire is based on her? Yes. Do you have confirmation on that? Is that real? Yeah. Yeah, that's totally legit. Because um, Young M.A. blew up from doing a world star of hip-hop. Uh, she was doing a, like, free freestyle battle cipher, and it blew up on world star which is how i ended up seeing it can i tell you something else about empire while we're on the subject for a Mm -hmm. second you're behind on that right you haven't seen it since it came back all i want to tell you is this i am furious oh man i gotta catch up remember how i told you before that rumor willis was on there and i'm like why is rumor willis on this i'm not feeling it so they finally sort of unveiled what she's been doing on sort of the fringes of the show all this time they unveiled her as their new star and they totally are making her do a, an Amy Winehouse impression. Rumor Willis. I is, know that she's sung. I've heard her actually do this Winehouse impression before. It is 
trash. <laughs> and they have like a whole like fake Dap Kings her. behind her. And I was not having it. Oh. I was like, this is why she's been here this whole time. So she can do this weak ass Amy Winehouse impression and bring shame to the house of Winehouse. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm like. I'm, I feel very strongly about Amy Winehouse and her legacy, and I don't think that it's respectful. Oh, is it just the way that the voice is that you can tell? Yeah, I mean, they're not, the doing the whole, they're not doing the whole beehive cat eye thing, but um, the the vocals sound like an Amy Winehouse impression, and mm-hmm. they have like a very Dap Kings type band backing her up, and like it's like, oh, what? Why is she like still around? What's going on? And then they unveil her, and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I can't wait to get. I got to get into it. But Young M A brought up um, this rapper with her called Cardi B, who I had heard about, you know, but I hadn't listened to her because I just thought that she was somebody from one of the Real Housewives that was <laughs> trying to like break out. But really, she's from that show Love and Hip Hop. Oh, so that's legit. Yeah, and she she's like a former stripper. Then she somehow got a, a rap deal and ended up on Love and Hip Hop. And now she's also on that show, Being Mary Jane. Okay, she's really good. I'm I'm feeling her. She has this song called Forever, and there's a line where she says, "Your pussy smells like a turtle tank." And I, that's mad specific. I died. Damn, worry about me, but your pussy smells like turtle tank. Have you ever smelled an old turtle tank? It's an evocative Ooh. turn of phrase. I don't know if I have, but I feel like I have. Well, she she won me on that. I was like, that gave me the stink I'm face. I'm here for you now, Cardi B. <laughs> then, um, I watched Fargo. I had never seen Fargo. In the TV my show. Life. Well, I watched Wait, the, the movie? movie to prepare for the TV show. I have seen the movie and loved the movie. I have not seen the TV show. Somehow, Fargo missed me. Like I think everybody had watched it when I was young, so then nobody wanted to watch it with me. One of those things, mm-hmm. and then. I had seen so many clips of it that I felt like I saw the movie. Frances McDormand rules. She was so amazing in that. Um, and I had some serious throwback. First off, I realized that me and Camillo are in no way possibly kidnappable. <laughs> Why are you not kidnappable? That sounds like like a a challenge to kidnappers everywhere. I mean, you could kidnap me, but nobody's going to pay for me to get Aww, me back. Oh, Callie, I would pay to get you back. We don't have any money. I know I don't have money, but I would have a bake sale. <laughs> I mean, we know nobody with enough money to make it worth your kidnapping time. <laughs> like, there's no way remotely, like, take me and maybe somebody's going to give you, like, a Costco card. <laughs> we will totally give you our Costco card for Callie back. <laughs> I would get, like, I would legit try to get you back, cost. though. Although I shouldn't be broadcasting that because that's just even more incentive for would-be kidnappers. <laughs> So, so I thought about that, and also there was this line in it that gave me so much throwback. When the girl was like, he looked like the Marlboro Man. And then she was like, baby, I just think that because he's smoking a bunch of Marlboros. And it reminded me of the time, remember when I had just started working at Bus? Well, this is the summer before I got hired, or like I started. And I, I got the call that I was hired, but I'd already planned this vacation right where me and dana were pretending to be married and go look at timeshares yes how could i forget (laughs) and i was like i'll drop out of college and go work at bust but can i still go on this fake lesbian vacation cruise to look at timeshares and And we were like like, absolutely do it yes do it the way it worked is because we lived together and if you were cohabitating couple and you made it over a certain amount of money, and we could count our tuition as income. Oh. So that is how we qualified. We really went around the loops. But the first night that we're there, we're sitting in some bar in um, Cocoa Beach, 
And we all had a deal. It, it, my friend Stacy came with us because she was the only one that could drive. Because uh, we we had a rental car, but we couldn't get it because we weren't 24. So we had oh, to right. find a driver. And our friend Stacy uh, was in school in Kentucky. She thought that helped her calm down. <laughs> she was like, she thought a vacay would help her calm down. No, going to school in Kentucky. And she was like, <laughs> I'm supposed to start summer school, but let me think about it. She drove there. She was on the road back to Kentucky from Virginia, turned around, came, dropped out of summer school, scooped us up, and went on vacation. Nice. So since there was only two beds in each room, um, it, we only had one hotel room the whole time everywhere we went. There was an agreement. If anybody had sex in the hotel room, then um, they had to buy the other person breakfast. Okay. And we go into this bar. Me and Dana are sitting down. Stacy had found somebody that we went to high school with and was chatting him up. So me and Dana are just sitting at this table, and this guy walks in. And Dana had the biggest crush on the Marlboro Man uh-huh. at the time and from the billboards because he would always have, like, his head down and look all, like, suave. He was fresh from flavor country. And the guy must have seen us do this because we each looked at each other and we were like, the Marlboro Man. <laughs> and then he comes right over and sits down with us. And he was, like, dressed in all black, like, uh, a gothic cowboy. Uh-huh. And, like, a black cowboy hat. And he was a Black Hawk fighter pilot. It wouldn't let I'm us so take sure. pictures of him. This is before cell phones. So we're like, had a disposable camera. We kept trying to take pictures of him. Anyway, long story short, we go back to the room. We wake up. Stacy was like, I owe you guys breakfast. And we were like, where's the guy? And she was like, I don't know, but there's his pants. There's his shoes. There's his weed. I have no idea how he got home without his clothes on or when he left. His pants, his shoes, and his weed were there and he was gone? And he was gone. Did he ever come back for them? We have never, no idea what happened to him. And what does this have to do with Fargo? <laughs> because of the Marlboro Man. I totally had like a flashback while I was watching it. And I was like, the Marlboro Man is so elusive and such a like important character to my life because of that. You're a gem. Then also, did you know that because they talk about the duck stamp in the movie? It's been so long since I've seen it. I don't remember the Her duck stamp. Her husband is like working on a painting in the, for this duck stamp making competition and oh. it comes in second but I had just recently seen this documentary about that contest called the million dollar duck oh. it's a legit contest and the guy he was the he lost out to the Huntman's blue wing teal in the movie and the Hurtman's are actually three brothers who have won the contest 12 times between them and they're like that's a dynasty yeah, a duck a dynasty. dynasty and the crazy thing about the million dollar duck is there's no cash prize you don't actually win a million dollars. It's just that you can now market yourself as the as the duck stamp winner and try to make money off that. But it was a fascinating documentary about ducks. Painters. Okay. Okay. I suggest everybody watch that. So that brought Fargo sent me on a lot of tailspins, man. And then I just loved the Met Gala looks. I dived into that shit because I love me some uh, Comedies Cacones. And then um, I think I mentioned this to you in the office the other day. I love watching Andre Leon Talley's carpet interviews. <laughs> he is such a character. He's, he is a one-man extravaganza. Yeah, he'll be like, oh, this this color is so fresh melon. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, Nicki Minaj, you know, she just sometimes does that British accent. When she started talking to Andre Leon Talley, she went British. Avant-garde! Avant-garde! Darlene! Did I make you happy? Yes, who made this? We teamed up with H&M. What? H&M? That was weird. I don't have a lot of love for fashion, but Andre Leontali makes it worth it to check in now and then. He was amazing. So that was that. Right on.
Mm-hmm. I want to tell you just about a few things. Caitlyn Jenner was on Seth Meyers. Ah. And was making me very furious talking about being both a trans rights activist and a Republican. First of all, um, uh, I'm not a one-issue voter. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and obviously, I know I'm not stupid. The, the Republican Party does not do a good job when it comes to equality and and the entire LGBT community. The Democrats are better there. But for me, I've, I've been around a long time. I'm, I'm probably more conservative. And I believe in little things like the Constitution and freedom. And, you know, I believe in minimal government. I'm like, get out of here with that shit. It- she she's justifying it saying that she's not a one issue voter but how can you vote for a party that's actively trying to roll back your personal civil rights it's like anti-choice feminists i know that they exist right i don't get it and then like there's also something so gross and check your privilegey about the fact that caitlin's like you know i don't really like some of the things that Donald Trump is doing i'm going to have to talk to him about that i did a blog on it i did uh, a video on it and at some point, I may talk to him about it. Yeah. Because she just is, like, such a VIP that she can just call the president. And like, well, like we were talking about, go ahead and call him up because we need somebody to talk to him and get the bug in the ear. Yeah, I guess so, but still. Call him up. Call him up, Caitlin. Call him up. I mean, some people lean more towards voting on, like, economy. And, you know, everybody has their thing that leads them. I guess she just doesn't care about her personal worth as much as her personal worth as yeah. in money wa- worth like you know or... she, she's definitely like someone who doesn't who wants like government to stay out of people's lives and stuff yeah. like that but still but they're in your life right now telling you which bathroom you have to go yeah to. telling you what bathroom to use and just like nobody's gonna tell Caitlyn Jenner what to do right but what about high school kids Come on. Come on, Caitlin. But use your phone. Mm-hmm. Tap that. Right. Roxanne Gay has a new book. It's coming out soon. I have a review copy. It's called Hunger. And it's about her relationship with her body. And I feel super, all kinds of feels about Roxanne Gay for so many reasons. Number one is that she's the best writer. Right. But also, um, she and I are the same age. And we both went to the same fat camp. What? Yes. In the late 80s. We were not in the same division, but I have one memory that I'm almost positively sure was about Roxanne. But I'm going to have to, if I ever, I only confirmed this with her very briefly at a taping of another round podcast, which was live. And I went up to her, I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure we went to summer camp together. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) she confirmed that we did. Um, But so... Roxanne Gay, who's the same age that I am, who is like roughly in the same general size orbit that I am and who has like a similar history that I am. And we're both feminists and we're both writers. And her writing about her personal body journey is pushing all my buttons. Oh, yeah. But you're having mad feels. I'm having all the feels. She's she's the best. It I believe it. It comes out in June and everyone should read it. This may come as a shock to you, but somehow I missed Maury. The Maury Povich show. How? I don't totally... Like, I knew... I was aware that it was a thing. And I knew that people would come on Maury Povich show and say, you are the father, you're not the father. Yeah. And whatever, whatever, I do what I want. Somehow I picked that up by osmosis in culture. I was talking to my boyfriend Logan about it, and he's like, you've never seen it? And I said, no. And he said, that's what Netflix is for. And I felt 
like I was committing some kind of hate crime by watching it. <laughs> I could. I, all right, that that's strong. I wasn't. Com- I felt like I was complicit in things that were like legitimately morally wrong. I only saw a few. I saw. Well, first I saw a supercut of men doing wild dance moves and doing backflips because they found out they're not their children's biological father while the women next to them sobbed. Mm-hmm. So there was a super cut of that. And then there was a situation where there was a gentleman who wanted to break up with one woman of size because he wanted to only be with this other woman of size. And so the first woman of size was like, you're telling me you don't want all this? And she just ripped her clothes off. And then they both they do that. did a dance. They just want large women to take off their clothes for no reason. Like, obviously, somebody told them to do it, and then they did. And then they fight, and they rip each other's wigs off. Right. But literally, the most shocking one I saw was, my seven-year-old is too sexy. And there were these little elementary school girls coming out in miniskirts and tube tops and full makeup being like, my mom tells me that I dress too sexy, but I don't care. I call her a bitch. I have 10 boyfriends. I'm going to be a stripper when I grow up. So first of all, A, it's basically just like material for the spank bank of pedophiles. The whole show. Second of all, B, I don't, I wasn't worried that it was real because, like, you can just say someone, I'll give you money to have your kid come out in a tube top and say I'm sexy. So I, but I feel like paying a seven year old to put on a tube top and say, I have tons of boyfriends. I'm sexy. I don't care. My mom's a bitch. I think that is child abuse. I would say, yeah. But they're definitely all fake. My sister went to, she knew one of the guys that got paid to pretend to be a goth that got beat up in high school. Uh huh. He went, he was on a ton of shows. He just, was that goth kid. Uh-huh. So it's definitely all just set up. And it got increasingly wilder. The uh-huh. original Maury had some wild ones. Towards the end of Maury, every episode, you were like, where's the fight? You basically were watching it for the fights. You know, it's like how <clears throat> sometimes I always go on World Star and just look up street fight videos because you, you know that they're there. Yeah. It is exploitative in a way that made me feel like I was a bad person for watching it oh I see it and I try not to be judgy you know I'm not all highbrow highfalutin and whatnot but I was like this thing with making these seven-year-old girls parade around like prostitutes is not is a bit extreme yeah it's not okay I wonder what Connie Chung thought about that I would desperately want to know what Connie Chung thought about that specific episode Connie if you're out there call Call us us up (laughs) yeah and um I just wanted to tell you quickly that my new favorite podcast besides this one, which is obviously my favorite podcast, is the new Rookie podcast hosted by Tavi Gevinson, who created Style Rookie when she was 11 mm-hmm. and then Rookie, the book and the, and the online magazine. And now Tavi's all grown. She's 20 and she's a great interviewer. And she she's knows 20 now. Whoa. Tavi's 20. Baby old lady. I, called, yeah. I used to call Everyone her baby used to call her baby old lady because she looked like an old lady and she was a baby and she was sitting front row next to Anna Wintour at Fashion Week because she was the style rookie. Yeah. And now she's grown and is an excellent, amazing interviewer. She knows a lot of fancy, cool people. And so her first guest is Lord. And guess what? They're friends. Yeah, they're like, yeah, they're friends. And Lord is like, here's the very first take I ever did of Greenlight when I was writing it and like plays her track off her phone. 
She gets access that nobody gets. She has Winona Ryder on there. That is wild. I listened to an amazing episode with Tracy Clayton and Heaven Nagatu from Another Round where they were talking about what they were like as teens. And Heaven was saying, I always try to tell myself as a woman when I have imposter syndrome to channel myself when I was a teenager. And I connected to that because I feel that I was at my most confident and self-possessed at 17. Ah. And I and I try to access my inner 17-year-old whenever possible as well. But it's not always easy. I wonder, Callie, is there a certain version of you that you feel was the most confident Oh, I think I've been radiant all, <laughs> all my life. You strike me as very confident. I've, yeah, I've, I've had some golden years, but I've always kind of had the same I don't give a fuck attitude. I feel much more accomplished now. I've accomplished yeah. a lot more in life now than I have when I was 17, but I just had an inner swag then. Like, I, <laughs> I owned the world. Rookie is a great podcast. It's on the MTV network. Anybody who remembers what it's like to be a teen or just really likes cool women talking about things would love it so that's it that's what i'm watching this has been great liz winstead is a gem liz winstead rules we are lucky to have her on this earth absolutely on this earth and in this booth yes thanks so much to our producer rachel withers who holds it down ep after ep boom 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 and our pals at the listening booth, Terrence Mickey and Katie Shepard, and our girl gang at Bust Magazine. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Emily Rems. You're at Kalisha Jenkins, but you don't Twitter. check it. But you can also email us and tell us what you're watching. What you're watching. We want to know what you're watching. We'll read it in on the podcast. We want to know. I'm at Emily Rems at Bust.com. I'm at CallieW at Bust.com. And email us anytime. If you want to find out more about what we're doing, visit us at Bust.com. And finally, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It really helps us get the word out. People won't know that we're here unless you guys rate and review us. And then suddenly iTunes will be like, guess what? These bitches are here. (laughs) But they won't do it unless you rate and review us, which is why I keep pastoring you episode after episode. Please do it. It'll make all of our lives great. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Thank you so much.